Greetings, film freaks. We are the Podcorn Kernels. Join us as we discuss the hard and often indigestible truths that are at the center of the fluffy and delicious world of cinema. What's poppin' people? Welcome to the Podcorn Kernels podcast. My name is Adam and joining me in your ear holes is Harry. Say hello, Harry. Do you taste like the cookies from whence you came, my dual-based chocolatey friend of Hagerstown, Maryland? On today's episode, we will be talking about The Banshees of Inner Sharing. This is a 2022 film directed by Martin McDonough and stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson and Kerry Condon. IMDb describes the synopsis as follows. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship, with alarming consequences for both of them. Here is an original song to support the synopsis. Cut off your digits to spy the fiddle. Your friend is an idiot, you're stuck in the middle. You liked me yesterday, seems so long ago. You hate me today, and that saddens me so. And that saddens me so. Life was grand, we loved the crack We used to laugh over a pint of black The friendship is gone, but oh, it still lingers I'm drinking alone, cause you sent me your fingers You liked me yesterday Seems so long ago You hate me today And that's sad Let's start with some facts about the film. Colin Farrell had several incidents with animals during the shoot. Jenny, the miniature donkey, kicked him while he was hand-feeding her. Second, the dog portraying Brendan Gleeson's pet bit him. Thirdly, a horse leading a cart that Farrell was sat in tried to reverse the cart into the ocean. Do you think God was working through the animals to tell him not to miss the birth of his child? Perhaps, or the famous saying, do not work with children or animals... Mm -hmm. come to fruition don't fuck with animals otherwise they'll try to lead you into the ocean and he he did like that donkey it's safe to say i think he loved the donkey his character or farrell himself bit of both farrell himself he uh he likes the donkey because i think he said uh, even though it was it was its first film it's like it it was its hundredth it was a stone cold pro yeah stone cold yeah i like jenny in this film imagine that though in a day's work you had three separate animals trying to fuck with you I would, you know, if there was a way to keep that in the film, it would have been funny because he's, he's, it's the downfall of him anyway. It's his plight, isn't it? Imagine like every corner he turned, his whole life's falling apart because his best mate screwed him over. And then like every other scene, there's an animal kicking him up the arse or spitting it and stuff. Yeah. I'd love to see that. When it rains, it pours, right? Yeah, always. So imagine his friends got beef with him and then the animals start turning against him. His sister fucks off. That would make it a funnier film. He even says at the start, didn't he? He goes, what the fuck? fuck's wrong with everybody on this island (laughs) yeah Yeah. imagine that's what did farrell win though a suicidal horse taking a cart into the ocean that i didn't know about that one i knew about the 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 donkey yeah biting him but i didn't know about the horse one but animals can sense danger right surely it knows not to go for a dip in the ocean depends if it's startled then it loses all reason flight or flight isn't it it's like you know if there's a little 
a little rat and the horses don't like it and it goes near it, it will jump off a cliff happily. Yeah. I just love facts when uh, animals are involved because we forget that they're not actors. They don't know what's going on. They don't know that they're acting. So when stuff like that happens, I always think, what's going through that animal's head? Yeah. Why, why it do that? Yeah. Always interests me. The J.J. Devine Public House was purpose-built for the film's production on Ackill Island in County Mayo on the west coast of Ireland. Mm. Since a planning permit had not been acquired, the pub had to be demolished when the film wrapped. No! However... The BBC reported in July 2023 that the pub was saved by publican Luke Mee, who relocated and reconstructed it in order to act as a tourist spot. I want to go to that pub. Is it an actually licensed yeah. place? We can actually go there. We can go and get a pint of the black stuff at the pub scene in, in the Banshees of Inisherin. Do you know why I don't want to? Because it'll be... Well, they wouldn't be in 1923 attire. They wouldn't be sitting there with a corn pod pipe and a Guinness from a bottle. There would be all different colour rain max, tourists in yellows, pinks, greens, purples, ruining that striking coastline. Yeah. And not being like, say, me and you, we do like our grey coats and our, mm. and our black hats and mm. we do like a, a little sh- a, a little schmork and a pancake yeah. and a Guinness whilst looking at oh. it. I would never leave. Yeah. I would never leave. Yeah. The problem with the film being such a success and that, pub within the film being so so iconic now is it's going to be hordes of tourists Mm. with their phones out taking pictures but there is nothing stopping me and you going there dressed as the characters in Banshees of Inishirin leaving our phones alone and just pretending that we're in that time I think it's safe to assume I'm Colm Gleason just through sheer sheer physical prowess be big boy so you identify more with and Brendan Gleeson? Well, he plays instrument as well, and I, you know, I, I twang a little. You, I play you, a little. You dabble. Yeah, I'm more interesting than you. So, uh, that's debatable. Well, you're more fun. Am I? Nah. Yeah, I was going to say I disagree. So, yeah. in that dynamic, you would be Brendan Gleeson's character, and I'd be. Well, I think it's a mirror Colin image Farrell. of us. I think eventually one day I will call it, and I'll just be like. What are you doing? Don't sit there, sit somewhere else. And you'll be like, "What? why? Mm. I just, I can see it. I can see it coming, man. I would, I would allow all 10 of your digits before I backed off. Would you honestly? I would. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to keep talking to you. If you, if you you really, if, (laughs) if you dislike me that much, give me all 10 digits and I keep poking, I keep prodding. I'd go toes first because I'm not really using them. Do you know what I do? If that dynamic happened between me and you. Mm. I'd, I would take deliverance of all of your digits and then I'd stop talking to you. That's a cold, calculated guy. Yeah, sociopath move, right? Well, I should have known that since you spoke about spilling the black of a pupil. Hey, they deserved it, man. Mm-hmm. They know they did. You won in the end, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. Final fact, Barry Keoghan and Colin Farrell lived in the same apartment while shooting in Ireland. Stinky. Stinky. Keoghan admits he drove Farrell crazy by leaving messes and eating all of Farrell's <laughs> Farrell's favourite cereal. <laughs> messes. Farrell, whom Keoghan calls an older brother figure, said the experience was like living in an episode of MTV's The Real World. I don't know about you, but I would love to be a flatmate to Keoghan and Farrell. I think it would be hilarious. They just seem like good crack. Yeah, they do. And yeah, I'd the, be there for all of it. But the age difference, you can see why Farrell weren't interested Keon's in that young utero stage of his career where everything's new, everything's fun and amazing. He's he's been in some excellent blockbusters. He's been in Dunkirk's and stuff. He's they were in a film together, Killing of the Sacred Deer, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. But when you find out someone's dirtiness, they're messings. Mm. When you find out that a celebrity's a bit whiffy, I don't. It doesn't say in the fact that he's stinky. 
we're assuming there's, there's I equate mess to stink. There's an element of schneef in that equation. Mm. I just think it like you said, it's probably down to his age. He's he's a young lad. He probably doesn't take doesn't really care about his surroundings, especially if it's like rented accommodation. If he's out boozing in Ireland, having a good time, he's probably not looking to keep the place tidy. And as someone who's probably closer to Colin Farrell's age now than Barry Keoghan, I would probably, That's that would piss me off. That's weird. I think of Barry Keoghan. I think he's on the couch with his boxers on. Mm. He's like, all right, Colin, how you doing? You're all right. And then he finishes a slice of pizza but doesn't eat the crust. And the box of pizza is 20 feet from him. And he, he just it. frisbees it into the box. Mm. Wipes wipes his hands oh. on his chest oh. for the crumbs and goes, right, I'm heading out. Yeah. And Farrell's just sitting in there wishing Donkey had taken his throat. Yeah, I that would bother me. That's cool, man. How how amazing. Not only are you doing an inc- a really f- a incredible film in your motherland and you're uh, you're getting paid for it, but also like you're there with such characters. Yeah. I wonder if they had a Guinness. That's more important in my mind. I'm sure they had plenty of Guinness. Ooh. I'm certain of it. Ooh. And I would have loved to to be there sharing a Guinness with those two yeah, you boys. Would. What did you like about the Banshees of Inner Sharon? It's just visually stunning. Yeah. Uh, Innismore mm. monuments, religious sites, beautiful coastal views. You can say that again. Mm. Oh, man. Just the opening shot to what I believe is actually not Irish music. I was reading Mike McDonough say that it's actually a Bulgarian piece of music at the start. Yeah, I read that. He said he, he made the, the uh, conscious decision to not have yeah. obvious Irish music, to well, have it, it a little different. Which, it matters not. It's no. scenic music. It's yeah. for scenery, isn't it? But it is, yeah. That opening shot of... Um, Farrell walking in the port town with that rainbow behind oh, him man. and the birds and the sound. I was just like, I remember I watched this in the cinema on my own when it came out. It was one of them films I don't wait for. I was there. I was like, yeah, I'm watching yeah. this one. That opening shot stays throughout the film. It's, it's it's striking absolutely all throughout. The setting for me is a third character. I completely agree. Easy, yeah. easily the, the third character in the film. Yeah. And that's not shitting on Kerry Condon or Barry Keown. Yeah. It's no. just... Because it's so tranquil. Yeah. Their relationship is the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, exactly man. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it's safe to say that I've got that written down here as one of the things I like most about the film. Oh, he snooks. It's, it's the landscape, the cinematography and the surroundings. And like you say, the look of the film is it's just stunning, isn't it? It's, it just gives me envy. I just want to be there. Oh, mate. That, that Irish backdrop, the vast open landscapes and the rural town vibes makes me want to immerse myself in, in a sharing. Oh. Cinematographer Ben Davis manages to make such a depressing environment look so breathtakingly beautiful now the irish landscape isn't depressing as i say it's no. beautiful but the events happening just across across the water there's the a atmosphere. fucking war going on that everybody's depressed everyone's miserable mm. but to make it look so beautiful when let's be honest part of parts of this film are really bleak and, mm-hmm. and depressing and gray and just I was reading some people were annoyed that they downsize the troubles on the mainland, 1923, like Civil War, the Civil mm. Strife. I'm like, that, that's the whole point. Yeah, that is the film. That's the whole point. The point is these two guys are having a beef that obviously is not going to change leaders or governments or, or cultures. Yeah, it's a the personal re- problem. Yeah, right? and the reason you hear and see it in the distance is what is bigger in the grander scheme of things. Exactly. And that. the people look like watch it and go, it's like when they said about like Forrest Gump, oh yeah, you know, it, uh, it, it side straddles racism. It puts it aside. Yeah. It puts aside the Vietnam War. It's like, it's not, fuck, it's, that's not the essence of the yeah. film, is it? That's not what it's about. For, for me, that's what the Banshees of Inner Shearing is. It's like, yeah, the wider picture, the bigger scope, what's going on the world, on Don't the want world that anymore. Is, is, 
huge and devastating but when it's when you're caught up in your own personal plight your own problems you can't look at the bigger picture because you're so invested in the problems that you're you're in the middle of at that moment in time how human is that i don't i don't give a fuck about climate change because i'm worried about will i have a house over my head it's exactly that yeah i don't care about the ukrainian war because i can't do nothing about it yeah i could send bandages ain't gonna help well it's exactly that we would all like to help the bigger problem, whatever that may, may be in the bigger landscape. I need help. But yeah, I know you do, man. Me too. But it's hard to look past if you're struggling on your doorstep to go further afield to try and help others. Oh, yeah. If you're drowning yourself. And I think the film does an excellent job of that. It's like the world could be falling apart or yep. the world could be beautiful. If your own part of the world is in turmoil and struggle, you can't look past that. You no. can't look past your own doorstep to the mm. bigger picture. If you're struggling yourself, how can I help someone if I haven't helped myself? Oh, there it is. If I'm not good enough, if I, if I'm not in the right state of mind to help someone, I need to look at myself first. And this is why I love this film because it is about, I have, I have a puzzle. This puzzle is complete. Wow. I've just lost a piece. I can't complete this puzzle anymore. Because yeah. the piece is missing. How exactly. do I get the piece back? Mm-hmm. Ten fingers later, a dead donkey. and sh- it's, the, yeah. it's the darkest yeah. black Guinness comedy ever. It's yeah. insanely good as a, as a dark comedy. And I'm yeah. glad they don't highlight the troubles across the water. Well, that's not what the story is. No. You know, there's there's so many films about wars and conflicts and stuff where the focus are about the, yeah. the battles that took place. The, the Wind people. That Shakes the Barley, Killian Murphy. I'll watch that if I want to watch The Irish Struggle. Yeah. You know, amazing. I'm more focused on an older fella getting pissed off with a younger fella because he thinks he's dull and watching two hours of that and them trying to navigate that terrain. He's always been dull. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, isn't it? What else did you like about the film? I'm so relieved the reunion of McDonough, Farrell and Gleeson smashed it out of the park because mm-hmm. there's always that sort of worry that legacies could be ruined. Yeah. And, well, it's four out of four for me. Yeah. Even though th- this was the second outing for these three particular, the director yeah. and the two main characters. But, yeah, uh, loved that it wasn't a letdown. Yeah. Because Bruges, in Bruges, obviously... That genre of film, dark comedies, are some of my favourites. And he's like the king of dark comedy now. Oh, yeah. Three billboards, this and uh, Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. He's just, he just hits it. And dark comedies are excellent because the dialogue keeps you entertained whilst what you see on screen is quite shocking. Yes. Like the losing of fingers. Yeah. For me, certainly, he's, he's probably the best at doing that at the moment anyway, balancing the comedy with, with the dark, the drama mm. and stuff. And for me as well, it's, it's four out of four. There's, there's been no, they're all hits no shits as far as I'm concerned like he's done brilliantly and I just look forward to to whatever he does next because I think he's he's excellent do you know he stayed with his uh, mum and dad during the whole filming project Oh, Martin Madonna because they're, they're, they're in Galway uh, I think Galway okay something so right near the boat where they need to go uh, get over to uh, Innismore is it yeah I, I think, think it's right. something like that yeah. there was two islands they worked on but anyway yeah he stayed with his mum and dad the whole time he was there he didn't tell him what he was doing so he just kept, he, like, kept it secret so he just kept fucking off for like 10 hours a day coming yeah. back he said something about how if he, he couldn't tell him because heads would roll <laughs> I was like okay well they'd be like oh so you're only seeing us because you're filming a film <laughs> that's how I would look at it so that's yeah. probably why amazing man yeah oh yeah imagine going home to do an oscar nominated film and hiding that from your parents i'm sure in hindsight they're not bothered now they see how exceptionally well this film's done Mm. and they're like oh well i got to see my son and when he wasn't at home with us he made this amazing film but to to hide it i I just i couldn't imagine doing that going to spend time with parents and then keeping this huge thing a secret yeah there would be questions there would be they'd wonder if he's i mean if he's married where's his wife yeah where's he going every evening no all throughout the day where is he 
Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, I'm going to go and see some sights, mum. I'll see you later. Oh, can we come? No, you have to stay here. I Did need no to go, one, man. No one talk to his mum and dad and say like, oh, you saw your son today. He's on that boat again, going back over to the island. Yeah. Maybe I, he's buried someone. I would love to know the details of why McDonough withheld information from his parents because my <laughs> my head's pla- going overtime here thinking oh why, why did he hide it what is their beef what's the problem i wonder i wonder if they disagree with the subject matter if he's making a joke of say irish culture even though he's not well like it's y- it you can only be proud to live and um, work in a land like that surely fuck yeah and just spend your evening looking at a view like that having a guinness oh my god yeah. i'm just jealous of it yeah, all me too and the only thing i disagree with is the fact that this didn't pick up any Oscars and everything everywhere all at once swept it. That's why I dislike everything everywhere all at once more than I should because I call me biased, but this film is more me. Uh, I would say much more. I would say this film is objectively. Yeah, that's a strong strong standpoint. Uh, it's it is just better. It is better. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, anyway. And well, it course, offers something new. I found everything ever all at once was diluted because of how huge the Marvel universe is and that whole dimensions all joining up and uh, multiverses. Yeah. I, obviously, the only difference being there's dildos flying, which yeah. you don't really get in the MCU. No. Be better I, if you did. Yeah, that would certainly make Marvel more of a a uh, exciting experience if there mm, was Marvel days. at my gape. Oh God, you got any more likes for me? Yeah, uh, shout out to Kerry Condon, Barry Keoghan, excellent in their respective supportive roles. Mm. Uh, that and the whole dialogue is nothing short of comedic genius. Man, some of the lines, especially Keoghan, kill me. What is he? Twelve? Can I? Oh, t- you're having a good time. Are, are you happy? Are you? Brilliant. He's little brown cock. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Do it. You've just touched on my remaining likes in one sweeping Is that free for freeze? Fuck it is, yeah. Free for free on the old likes, yeah. Nice. So if you're done with with what you've got to say, I'll just jump on them with what I have to say. I only have one short one after that, but you go. Yeah, so like you mentioned that that cast, so I think Farrell, Gleeson, Keoghan and Condon are all absolutely electric in this one mm-hmm. the chemistry between them the way they balance the the incredible humor with this deep profound sense of like inherited depression is mm. genuinely genius a special shout out goes out to colin farrell's eyebrows <laughs> you, you said like the the location and setting was almost a character within it itself yeah and i think farrell's eyebrows are a character <laughs> within a character and I implore everyone to give his expressive brows extra attention when watching the Banshees of Inner Sharon. I most certainly will now. Have you not clocked the eyebrows? No. Are they May. are they separate from each other? Not. I don't mean does he have a unibrow. Oh, are they moving on their own? They should be paid separately. Was you having a seizure whilst watching it, and your eyes just <laughs> melted into his eyebrows? Maybe, but once I clocked, I was like. These eyebrows are doing some extraordinary work. Mm-hmm. I couldn't look away. Like the 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 movement, the the fluidity of them, like the range of his eyebrows are something that you need to see to believe. Like, always, honestly, it's it's amazing. He's always done wonders with them eyebrows, isn't he? Like, yeah. I remember when it was it Daredevil I first saw him in. He's got the uh, little target on his forehead. Oh yeah, and yeah. He, he does eyebrows a lot in that. Yeah. It's because they're luscious, thick Gaelic eyebrows. Yeah, they are. And the second thing I liked about it is what you said as well is is the dialogue. 
honestly, the script, the dialogue and the delivery of it is probably the best I've seen in recent memory. It's because he wrote, directed, it's all him. It's all his. The writing is razor sharp, deliciously dark, and it's an example of how good a quality quotable comedy can be. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I find myself laughing a lot less at comedy within film. Thankfully, the dialogue in Banshees had me howling throughout. McDonough is a master at displaying the comedic depth that is held within Irish DNA, and I am proud to say that I identify as being Irish. Mm-hmm. Do you, you, you identify, do you? I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, ha- I come from... Um, you are the blood of Irish. Irish heritage. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should have an Irish accent. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a sharp sense of humour, quick wit, and I think it would be... I think if I had an Irish accent, I'd be a lady killer. Oh, not, not as in murdering women, but as in like the the <laughs> the chirp, the chat. I think the charisma that comes with an Irish accent. I think, yeah. I reckon you'd plough them fields. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Oh, you think? Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm with you on that. My great nanny was Irish. Yeah, yeah. It comes down through the, my dad's side. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we've got we we look Irish. We're pasty as fuck. Got, got red blue beards. Eyes. Yeah, ginger beards. We With love beers. a Guinness. We love a potato. I've got a little brown cock. Yeah, me too. Mine's, <laughs> mine's more on the grey scale of... of grey scale? But you're a Mormon in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Does what, it peel off like the top of a lovely ale stew pie? I think we should conclude our cock chat there. Mm. And you can share me your little minor like that you had. Oh, I, just love I, want, I want to bring back a famous 1920s ad campaign. Guinness. Mm. Mm. It's good for you. It is. They used to literally say it was good for you. Yeah. I still, my mum even used to say, oh, once, well, you know, once a week when you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not- no wonder I've got such a taste for that dog. Yeah, and uh, such a brown cock. But the company nowadays that manufactures it says, we never make any medical claims for our drinks. <laughs> yes, yeah, steady on now. <laughs> yeah. It's just a Guinness throughout the film. I mean, it's, it, is, it is our regular drink. It is the drink that myself and Adam decide to share our love of film over oh it's the third character in our in our relationship it is yeah really is isn't it you take away guinness it's hard like it's hard for us to actually talk we're physically punching Mm, we're reliant on the stuff also a fact (laughs) that i still don't know if this is true i know it can affect the color of your fecal matter yeah no that's 100 percent true but it says that guinness has acquired a reputation for causing extremely smelly flatulence have you experienced this well, as mentioned probably too many times on this podcast, Ips. I've got the IBS. Mm. I've got the bum clap. So, But Ips doesn't equal smell. I mean... You just mean you... My partner you, would argue different. But, all f- but no fart is sweet. I'm just saying, is Guinness particularly... Does it make you thick? Does it make it thick? Does it travel uh, across rooms? The, what I notice after I've had a skinful of the black stuff... I tend to then want unhealthy food the next day to nurse the hangover. And I think that merge of 10 Guinness and a pizza or a burger or whatever it is form a deadly alliance of foggy, thick stink. Could you evacuate a bus of nuns with it? Oh, Again, on this episode, it seems like we're sharing a bit too much, so I will carry on that trend. I once farted after a Guinness section and it... The smell upset my partner so much that she turned the light on to try and like find it. <laughs> <laughs> she was so shocked 
shocked and perplexed that the light went on as if she had to try and find the culprit. That was, was she running around with a freezer lock zip up bag just trying to get that dog? It like was Ghostbusters, but flatulent it finders. Was, it was bedtime. She walked into the room. The lights were off and the wall of smell hit her so hard that she turned on the light because I think it disorientated oh, her mate. that she had to go and see what was going on. Jesus. Or maybe she wanted to check if I'd in fact shat the bed. I'm not sure. Oh, man. But yeah. That's evil. You got you got any dislikes for this film? This It's hard for me to find dislikes for a film I fully enjoy. But I'll go with maybe things that are a little less film related, more about the social the social dynamic, etc. But I'll go with... Uh, so I can't imagine a world where I've let someone into my life mm. and without valid reason jilted their whole existence into disarray because I'm scared of my death or not leaving a legacy. Yeah. Taking it out on someone else is a bit harsh, isn't it? And I want to hit you with a, a fact because of this. Go on. So to, to do with that whole, all of a sudden I'm going to shun this person. I'm going to ignore them. Mm. So this is a this from Forbes Healthcare, contributed by Nicole F. Roberts. We all know that rejection hurts, but neuroscience has concluded that it does in fact literally hurt. While the brain does not process emotional pain and physical pain identically, the reaction and cascading events are very similar, and a natural chemical painkiller, muopioid, oh. is released during both events. For example, when someone feels physical pain, opioids are released in the brain so that the significance of the pain is inhibited. We now know this same experience occurs when an individual feels slighted or rejected by others. That's so sad. It makes sense, though. It's so sad. Because if you're broken up, with by a partner and and you don't want the relationship to end if you're rejected at a job interview if you're sacked if you come forward with an idea at work and they boohoo it and go no sorry that's not for us rejection is hard don't you do feel it so i'm not surprised that it's actually like a chemical reaction like your body going oh this is horrible oh god uh. do you think Farrell got twixed he got double hit because you know when he got punched by keogan's dad for mouthing off in the shop yeah and he hits the floor and it's a horrible punch it's a sucker punch yeah, right to the side of the face and then he gets put on the cart by the guy who's shunning him now brendan yeah. gleason's character colm and he's got so he's physically got the pain mentally being rejected by the person it's cruel yeah and i think that's what i dislike about the film yeah it's just cruel it's I've not I've known dull people I've had dull people but it doesn't mean I don't see something in them I don't see that they don't have a warm character a kind character like there's no way but Parik is not a warm kind man but he's a sweet soul if he loves his donkey you know you've got someone there that wouldn't stand it for an injustice well it's it's that all he wants is to have a drink with his mate oh, he man. doesn't see there being any beef he doesn't understand why his mate of of god knows how many years has suddenly just been like i don't like you anymore it's ter- it's tragic man. now there there's part of growing up part of this life experience is drifting apart from friends that you may have been close with when you're younger you that's not you, you get older as you get older do you realize it's quality not quantity and Ooh. and i find that you your friends that you used to spend all time with now is just a a, a really irregular message on whatsapp or something mm. back in the day you used to live together you traveled together you did all these things and it, it sort of dilutes as you get older but certainly i don't think i could with someone that i once held dear just be that cold mm. unless they did something horrific that's what i mean because he's done nothing it's it's cruel in that respect obviously if he'd done something bad you'd understand it yeah it's but, a big pill to swallow and yeah. that's one of my dislikes too is is poor porrick Wow. I find the whole plot hilarious and it's one of the best films of 2022 in my opinion. But Colin Farrell's character didn't deserve that level of hate. 
no. I thought he was a sweet dude who just wants a few Guinnesses with his mate. And I felt so bad for him, man. He's just a good guy that is treated so badly. And I I wouldn't mind being a bit more like Porrick, to be honest. He's just a positive guy. He just, he, he might, you could say he's a little bit simple. He's a little bit dull. He doesn't stress about the bigger things. And I think that's probably quite refreshing as someone who overthinks every little thing. It is possible that he hijacks too much of Colm's time to the point where it's almost like possession. I can understand that as well to a degree. So there are obviously people in the world, they're, they're more, they're sheep rather than shepherds. Shepherds. Yeah. And I think sometimes if they see an interesting character as someone that's got a lot more to say, a lot more to do, say, you know, write music, violins or anything, anything interesting. They, they, they Yeah, they lynch because they want to be a part of that. Mm. Um, entertainment because every, as you can see throughout the film Colm is very interesting to people yeah you know, the women turn up because he's playing at the game yeah. so he sort of hangs on his coattails and maybe for Colm when he wants to turn and have a conversation about Mozart or something even though he cites him from the wrong century yeah. you can't do that with this guy no and you, I, you know, I've had conversations with people that I just can't be bothered to talk about. With someone yeah. trying to pitch Stranger Things to me for the twentieth time, yeah, or something, or just like to tell me, like, it's so good, it's so good. I'm like, no, but I'm not interested in it. Yeah, it's member berries forever. Exactly, I can't, yeah. and I can't. I need to leave the eighties. Well, I need to leave it behind. A, a decent relationship, friendship, whatever. It's nurtured by common interest. It's nurtured mm. by having meaningful discussions, deep conversations, important mm. important um, subject matter, a broad spectrum of things yeah. that you can converse about. If it enriches you, yes, makes you think differently, but that's amazing. You're growing then, aren't you? Exactly that. And I, like I say, the biggest dislike is how I felt for Porrick. And I think there is a way where you can sort of say to a friend, you know, we go to the pub seven days a week. Yeah. Well, maybe let's do it three times a week. I need some more time for myself. He could have done it. Yeah, gradually tapered yeah, off. He not, could have tapered it. I don't like you anymore. If you talk to me, I'm going to say I'm going to throw my fucking fingers at your door. Yeah, that's it's, a bit much. Yeah, that does bleed into my second dislike. But oh. just to finish on that one, he could have done it differently. Like you said, he could have said, "Look, I don't mean to take this the wrong way, but could we make like Wednesdays our day?" Yeah, and you know. Tuesday, I'm going to do some music with these lads. Yeah. But if you want to be at the pub, mate, I'll go do it at my house. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to give you some space and that. He could have done it gradually, but it's straight to the cutting of the throat. Yeah. yeah. And I think it speaks to Brendan Gleeson's, like, struggle. He's sort of emotionally stunted, isn't he? Yeah. And he's he's struggling that much that he feels like he has to do something. He so thinks dramatic. he's wasted his life. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be that, isn't it? Yeah. And I, th I think he's, as he's getting older, he's he's facing his own mortality. I think mm. he's he's starting to stress that he feels like he hasn't done enough, hasn't achieved enough. It's probably someone dealing with depression in a time where depression wasn't medicated or, or seen as anything as serious as it actually is. Mm. And I think he's a victim of that. I think he struggles because of that and then doesn't know what to do with what he's feeling. So feels like he has to do something so dramatic. What does the priest call it? Uh, despair. Yeah. So this was occurring before the film starts. Mm. There was despair. And we obviously didn't see how, con not controlling, but how obsessive maybe Parik is to Colm. Yeah. You don't see it. No. It's just a shock to the audience because it's a shock to Colin Farrell. Yeah. But we don't know. He could have been like non-stop on his back, yeah, like just constant. Which is, you know, it can be, can, it can be rough. Yeah, it can be exhausting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got any more dislikes for me? Yeah, it sort of bleeds into that one. So the cutting off of the fingers. 
Mm. As great as it is for the film, yeah, it, for me, I, I, I'm I'm picking away Colm's character here, not the film. If you get what I mean, yeah, I get that. Uh, I believe he's mimicking what he believes is the artist's biggest statement, like sacrifice. Yes, but uh, there there lies in the problem. So, like Van Gogh cutting off his ear is like by modern standards, it's like uh, his ego's not been fed enough. Yeah, or or it's genuine psychosis. Yeah. So, like, to, to cut off his ear, I mean, if the reason you're calling it a day of your dull friend is because you want a legacy, then you cut off the fingers that are going to give you that legacy. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Like I said earlier, you could do toes. Yeah. You could do, mate, you could have you'd done anything, but you've yeah. done your fingers. It's like you're you're saying you want a new, you want to be left alone to do your music, fine. I There's times I want to be left alone. Mm. A lot of times, so I can, I like creative writing, I like doing lots of things, and I, I need to be alone to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's weird that, he wants this uh, this land where he can write his songs. But he then his way of saying to someone, if you don't let me write my songs, I'm going to cut off my fingers so I can't write my yeah, songs. Yeah, it's so extreme. And it's just that sort of delicate artist. Yeah, that's. I think that's what the, the point he's trying to make. He's like, I'm so serious about having about being left alone that if I don't get what I desire, digits are going to be coming off. And it's like, well, you're only fucking yourself over. Despair. Yeah. Like I said, it's not a dislike and think it's excellent for the film. Yeah. But like, it makes me think of real life one like Van Gogh did with his ear and stuff. And I just thought, was he just a needy little bitch? Yeah, he was, yeah. Was he? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he was confirmed. Yeah. Asked and answered. But I, I think in a film where it's it's so funny and it's got that, that deep undercurrent of despair and depression, if you want to be hypercritical, you would look and you'd be like, well, like they say within the film, there's so many stages between not wanting to talk to someone and dismembering yourself. <laughs> There's so many more things you could do. You could move to a different place. Yeah. You could stop going to the pub. You could, I don't know, board your house up. You mm. could do, there's so many different things you could do. Beat the shit out of the guy. Yeah, he sort I want to talk to you if you beat the crap out of him. He sort of used a wormhole or bent space, didn't he? Like June. Yeah. He just jumped from there to there yeah. and was like, yeah. no explanation needed. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's, uh, Ties in with one of the things I dis—I'd say dislike is a strong word, but I, th I think something that does go against the film. And like your point, I guess it is, is necessary, and it's just how bleak it all is. Mm. And again, I can't stress how much I love this film, but fuck me, it is bleak in parts. It's a clever and true depiction of how depression lies dormant in us all, and shows how despair can have a knock-on effect on others. And I do think it is amazing how a film can make me laugh so much, but also make me feel so sad as well. Like there's a lot of it that like they're in these beautiful surroundings and it's you're, not enough. You, yeah. And it's just like, it, like you said, like the cracks great. Like the, the, their environment is lovely. Yes. There's a war going on across the water. There's all this horrible stuff going on. And to focus on a story where aesthetically it looks so engaging and like i want to be part of it mm. and for it to have that that's so like i say that undercurrent of depression and despair it's just a bit like oh man as much as i laughed at the film there were parts that did bum me out a little bit as well and and yeah something about that but well, that's why at the start you get given the rainbow and the music and yeah. Farrell smiling because it's probably the last time he smiles in the film <laughs> yeah but then by the end you see like a hut burning and yeah. fingers missing 
which I kind of like. It's like depreciating. It's like leaving sank out of the fridge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I feel like I said earlier, I can't remember a film that I laughed at this much for for a good number of years. And it's unique laughs. Yeah, it's a new laugh. But then it's it's a weird one because in, it's like a cocktail of emotion. Like the main ingredient is laughter, but that strong like taste, that aftertaste, it is a little bit depressing and a little bit bleak and i don't know i don't know if that's just a singular thing from my perspective but i do when i watch this film afterwards i feel a little bit bummed out i don't know if that's just me or if you agree or so the second time i watched it i watched it in the pub because you gave me the idea you went dude every time i watch this film i just want to have a guinness yeah sit in a chat and then when it came to it i just went to the pub had a guinness and watched it in the pub with headphones in in the little in a little booth and like I found myself drinking a lot quicker than I would usually because mm. I was so into it. And then as the film got closer and closer to the end, I stopped drinking and I sort of put, looked at the Guinness and I just went, got to go home now. And it's just <laughs> like the film kind of. Yeah. Because they'll never get that friendship back on track. That is sad, isn't it? It's true. A first act of a film like this is always the best. It's not the best part, but it's the bit that you're laughing at the most. Yeah. It? And as it draws out more, it becomes more serious. Well, yeah. The and the film does. It gets more and more serious. It goes up in stages. It does, yeah. Mm. And I think it, it maybe it just taps into the fact that all the guy, all Colin Farrell's character wants to do is meet up with his mate at 2pm every day and drink Guinness and have a good time. Mm. That's all I want to do. Yep. I can't afford to do it. I'm there. But that's all I want to do is just talk film, shoot the shit with you, drink mm. Guinness, plan the podcast, you know, be creative. Talk footy. Yeah, you know, have a great time. A few smokes, a few Guinnesses, lovely. But that's good to have that. That's good to know what you want to do. I mean, I obviously, so. if we had a choice, we'd also want to be uh, travelling Vietnam, Japan. We'd of also course. want a five-bedroom house. But the things you can have, the things you can physically grasp... He's a Guinness down a pub. Yeah. You can't physically grasp a penthouse in New York. It's exactly that. And a, and a Guinness down our local should be an attainable thing that can be done after a day's work or after like a stressful day. And the fact that living amongst the cost of living crisis, you can't necessarily do that as much as I'd like. Mm. I think I'm just taking it out on the film, maybe. I'm taking it out on our partners. Yeah. Them and the lassos of hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, final dislike is Donkey Demise. Jenny was a sweetheart and didn't deserve death by dismembered digits. Dinky Daddy Brown Dick deserved to die. <laughs> Donkey did not. <laughs> oh, Dinky Daddy Brown Dick was that was horrible that scene. I, yeah. you know, I got something to admit, low man. I paused it. I paused it. What? And I got closer to the screen because I couldn't see the dick. You wanted to? No, but I was like, whoa, hold on, whoa. What's that? And I couldn't see it because it was stump puffball, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I had to get closer. My eyes are obviously failing me. I was in a pub that had the, the light coming through the window and I was paused it and I zo- I got proper up close to it and stuff. Close enough to smell it. I love that in a public setting, you're getting closer to a screen to sniff some dick. Mm. And so any, I know he was in a cabin, so I know the setup yeah. of the pub. No one can see you doing that. But I love the idea of you in public, someone walking past to get a pint and you're squinting, trying to get a better look at Daddy Brown. I wonder dick. if it was the real actor's pee-pee. It, was it did, Gary Lydon, Lydon? Uh, yeah, Pedar yeah. Kearney, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, Gary Lydon. I mean, it looked like an unfortunate penis, didn't mm. it? It's just when Barry Keown goes, him and his little brown cock. Is it dick or cock? I think it's dick. I'm not his sure. little brown dick. It made me laugh so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't disturb my dad after he's been wanking. He's <laughs> so brilliant. <laughs> he's excellent in it. Do you oh. know, I heard he said yes before even looking at the script yeah so did um, just Colin said, yeah. Farrell yeah they both was like yeah I'm in he says you don't say no not to Martin McDonough yeah four for four 
Yeah. I mean, why our goal? Why didn't even think of him as being like the most exciting director? Mo- mo- like when he brings out, like I'm always hit and miss with Nolan and yeah. certain other directors, you know, yeah. um, uh, who did Northman? Sorry, remind me quick. Robert Eggers. Eggers. So I was excited for Eggers Northman and then it was like, nah, not for me. Yeah. I've, I'm a bit disappointed now, but Madonna, four for four. And I'd say Seven Psychopaths is my least favourite, but I still enjoyed it. Well, this is a perfect segue into my questions. I have a one more dislike. Oh, okay. Maybe not so perfect segue uh, into um, it, My dislike comes with a question which I might need you to clear up. Did the policeman abuse his son and did he kill himself because of it? I think so. Or was it a happy accident? I, th- I think so. In the pub when Colin Farrell's character, uh, Porrick's smash drunk, he confronts uh, Brendan Gleeson and the copper mm. and... He's drunk and he said, oh, if you're not beating up your son, you're fiddling with him or something. And then um, Barry Keegan's character goes, I didn't say anything about About the the fiddling. fiddling. So do you think he was he was doing a lie to upset him? But actually the lie, there was truth in the lie. Well, it's how would he know? uh, Well, you're as an audience member, you're led to believe that he told Colin Farrell, Barry Keegan's character told Colin Farrell's character that he'd been fiddling with him when they've met up and if they were just chatting. See, I don't think led to believe. No, I I, I, as I read it, as Mm. I saw it, I think he knew he was told about it because later on in the film, he apologizes to Barry Keegan saying, I'm sorry about bringing that up. I just thought, what's the worst thing you can say on a small island of Catholic law abiding? um, christians yeah and it would be like if you're drunk it'd be like he's a nonce it's the worst thing you could say yeah it? and i think that that's i think barry keoghan reveals by accident that it's true yeah by saying oh i didn't tell him about the fiddling there yeah and i want to know if that's the key because barry keoghan he kills himself i think so i but, think it, you see just before he kills himself he goes to speak to Kerry Kerry condon's mm. characters to sort of say i like you would you be interested sort of she says no mm. and then the next thing really is he you find ends up dead in the in the water okay. and i think he's killed himself as a result of that and as a result of the probable abuse from his dad that's so what did, i think did we need to kill barry keoghan I think it speaks to just the bleakness of the island. I think it's just like Siobhan, uh, Kerry Condon's character was able to escape the island by getting a job elsewhere. Mm. I think um, Brendan Fraser, I keep saying Brendan Fraser. Brendan Gleeson, yeah. It's because of Wales. Yeah. You've got you've got In recent memory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think he, his escape is in the form of self-mutilation. Like he's dealing with the despair and depression. So almost to weirdly take his mind off his, taking off his digits. And Collins is no revenge. Sense. Yeah. So they've all got something to focus on. Whereas Barry Keegan's, the one thing he had to focus on was potential love interest. She said, no, fucked off. And then we can't focus on anything else other than the daddy diddling, which is an awful, awful thing. I just thing. think that's such a huge event in a film for it to be almost a side story and not be relevant to their story. I find it's a dislike because, and I remember thinking it in the cinema, I think I've entirely, I've enjoyed this film entirely, but I feel a bit dislodged by the Keoghan death Yeah, because I'm a bit like, that's more distracting than the fact that there was a, there's a war on the mainland. It's like, well, his story's tragic. And throughout, you just think he's like a naughty teenager. Yeah. Loves to drink and a smoke. You don't think he's on the brink of suicide. I think that ties into, you know, you've got um, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell at Loggerheads fighting over one of them no longer wanting to be a friend. Across the water, you've got a war going on. And even close to home, you've got a young lad that's dealing with abuse, mm. dealing with lower intelligence, dealing with all the, or like living just with his dad, who's this abusive 
um, father, I think that it shows that your little tiff with your mate over just not feeling fulfilled, mm. so close to home, someone's going through a hell of a lot Oh, he worse. says that to him as well, didn't he? He goes, what I say if you spoke about him again? Yeah. I said I'd leave you and he walks off. Yeah, yeah maybe you're right, yeah. Maybe. No, thank you. That's me done. That's all right. Are you ready for some questions? See. What is your McDonough movie ranking? Oh, I'm going to have to go, for me personally, Banshee's first, Bruges second, Ebbing Missouri third and Seven Psychopaths fourth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mine's slightly different. Mm -hmm. I would go in Bruges first. Mm. I find that more depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. I I don't know. For me, I think I've seen three of um, Martin McDonough's films when it came to watching Banshees of Inishirin. So in Bruges was the first film I ever saw of him. Mm -hmm. That sort of... Same His unique voice, not seeing anything like that. Like I was, it hit me different because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. Four films in, I kind of know what I'm going to get from a Martin McDonough film. So in Bruges, with just Pips, Banshees of Inishir in, in yeah. second place. Then for me, it's Seven Psychopaths, then um, Billboard's uh, Ebbing, Missouri. Really? Yeah. I see, I found the free Billboard's one unique in the fact that it's it's an American cast set in America. Yeah. I know Seven Psychopaths was as well, but that's the lesser of the four for me. Yeah. But I think it's amazing that he can go and take on a scene and a setting and a, and a cast in America as well as do it at his home just as much justice. Yeah. You know, and with the whole imbrusion. Yeah, I love, I love where he takes his stories. Yeah, I think he is a unique voice in that sense. I think he could do a film anywhere and have mm. that brand of just laugh out loud comedy with that really profound layered emotion mm. alongside it because that's a hard thing to juggle right drama and comedy and to do it well i think so yeah. and it's sad because they rarely ever get nods for best picture or best actor yeah you know dark comedies don't get it and they should yeah dark comedies are they're, they're better than satires yeah because they're, they're more relatable i'd say well they're dark comedy usually is about the the human human condition isn't it where satire is about the the government society yes. and all that shit yeah mm. I, like you said, they're all amazing films. Mm. I wouldn't put one under a seven, probably. So if you haven't seen all of Martin McDonough's work, definitely go and check them out. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Being called dull is a tough pill to swallow. What would be the hardest hitting insult someone could throw at you? And what one thing could be said about you that would make it impossible for you to get over? Uh, that I'm violent. But you're not. I know. Okay, but so just accusation. It could be insinuated okay. to people that you're violent or you're manipulative. Mm. So violent or manipulative. Yeah. Violent without ever being violent. But you know when it can be put to you that because you're feeling angry and because you, you've you just dropped sank on the floor and you're like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, the response. Calm down, why are you so angry? Sorry, angry, that's the word. Not yeah. violent, angry. Angry. Why are you so angry all the time? And it's just like, that's just human. That's just human. If you bang your toe, you're going to go, shit. I think there's, just human. there's a great difference between reacting angrily or aggressively to something yeah. and walking around as an absolute menace, like, just angry at the world mm. and not being able to talk to people and needing legitimate psychological help because you're so angry and mm. so aggressive. They're I, worlds apart. I'm going to say manipulative, actually, because I've been called manipulative before and I found that one to be the hardest one to swallow because whatever party I'm having, people are welcome, but I make it very perfectly clear from the start that that's the party I'm having. I'm not going to change it for you. If you want to come along to something that I've arranged and that's what I am doing and then you get there and you want to change it because it doesn't suit you, you shouldn't have come. Yeah. That's not me manipulating you. 
No. I would be always transparent with you from the beginning. So when people say you manipulate situations, I'm like, I want to be alone. Yeah. I want to be left the fuck alone. Yeah. If I'm a manipulator, I'm in the middle of every pack, every group manipulating. Yeah. When someone wants to be alone or have very, very minimal relationships with people, that's the opposite of manipulating. And, and I would say if you're a successful manipulator, people wouldn't even know you're doing it. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, but someone saying I was dull would be a hard thing to swallow because me, me and you, I think we're both people like the create, or at least I like to think they like the creative. No one would call you dull. And the other one would, if someone was just stone cold, like you are not funny, I'd be like, um, that makes up 90% of who I think I am as a person. I think I've got a good sh- uh, sense of humor, sharp wit. If someone said to me, you are not funny when I was trying to be funny to make them laugh, I think I would dig a hole and climb into it and that would be me done. Do you know what I think you do? As they said, you are not far. And as they got to the far and their mouth opened, you flopped in their mouth and went, that's funny, isn't it? And they I, go, <coughs> I mean, I mean, you'd make others laugh. I would say that's criminal, but I would have the last laugh if they were having to... <laughs> they died on your spit. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What a horrible sentiment. Final question. Who would you rather go on a piss up with? Gleason, Farrell or Keegan? Keegan. Yeah. Keegan. See, I, I thought about this question a lot more than I should. And my immediate response would be Farrell. But then I thought to myself, mm, he's huge. Talking about the characters? No, talk, as, as actors. As the peoples themselves. Not the characters. Farrell. Although, although that's a good... So within the film... Barry Keoghan. Yeah? Yeah. Simple young lad. Because his observations crack me up. Yeah, he'd be a laugh. Maybe he's just using a new tactic to make you stick up for yourself. Like, yeah. Love him. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's got funny... He, he says what's in his mind and I love that. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah, characters, Keoghan, but yeah, in real life, Farrell. I'd just love to sit and have a chat with him. See, I did think Farrell. My default was Farrell, but then I thought, is he too... A-list. Is he too successful now that that... I mean, I've seen him in interviews and heard him in podcasts and the man's hilarious. He's got razor sharp mm. sense of humour, great wit, all of them things. Like, seems like a genuine lovely guy. But then part of me is like, oh, I wouldn't mind a few beers with Gleason as well, the old dog. Mm. See what, what stories he's got because he seems like he'll be a laugh. I've been watching Gleason since I was young, young, young yeah. little squirt running around. First film I ever saw him in, Braveheart. He's great, isn't he? He played uh, Angus... Hamish, sorry. Mm. The big, big ginger dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's great, man. Yeah. Or Kerry Condom, but she's so, like, charismatic and pretty. I'd feel like I was on a date and I feel like I couldn't be myself around her. I think I'd be guilty of trying to impress any single one of them if I went for a drink with them. Because I all think they're amazing people. Yeah. So what would you rate Banshees of Inner Shearing? Nine. Oh, yep. I'll cut you off to say it. Okay. Nine. That's good. Guess what? What? Guess what? Oh, no, you didn't. Guess what? Reels. Guess what? Are you serial? Guess what? No, I think... Are you, you Cinnamon Grahams? I think you're thinking something different. Why is my monitor shaking? Sorry, I was sh- I was shaking with anticipation. No, I went the same as you, nine as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just... It's hard to... It's hard to give it any less than that. Like, the amount it makes me laugh. Like, we spoke recently about Jordan Peele's film Nope and how it's got loads of layers to it and how it's got loads of subtext. I think this film has that as well. I think it's got that sort of deeper, darker elements about depression and despair and how you can't look at the bigger picture when you're struggling with what's in front of you. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot to be said in this film. And the fact that it, it is a bit depressing and made me feel a little bit low in points is the only reason I wouldn't give it a full 10. Mine was Keon dying. 
Yeah. But it not being like a huge part of the story. Just sort of this little side note. That's the only reason it's not a 10. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of the best films of, of 2022. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, one of the most more quotable comedic films I can remember in, in recent memory. So yeah, nine nine out of 10 for me. Hell yes. That gives The Banshees of Inner Sharing a total score of 18 out of 20. If you like your films to be funny, fucking dark and fully focused on a friendship feud, or if you have ever wanted to see an aggressive Gleason ding some digits at a door, nah. then The Banshees of Inner Sharing could be a film for you. Consider watching this one if you enjoyed In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths and The Guard. Should we play a game? Yeah. The game in question is what the plot, where the rules are simple and the results, quite the opposite. Harry will conceive an original idea from his big and beautiful brain and give birth to a plot. It's then down to me to nurture this thought by providing a film title, genre, cast and anything else I can think of to raise this brainchild into a fully functioning film concept. Over to you, Harry. A naked being appears in Times Square during New Year's Eve. Male, female? Matters not. Okay. That's down to dealer's choice. They are arrested for indecent exposure, but during processing, they inform the police that they are from the future and have come to warn Earth scientists that they have to kill three newly born babies or the world will end. Fuck me. They They provide the names and nationalities and birthdays of these babies. These three babies each will discover the cure for cancer, heart disease and respiratory disease. I think I know where this is going. These are three of the leading kills in the world today, uh, all of which will send Earth's population into overdrive and speed up the death of the the planet. So within 60 years, the planet would go into meltdown if we cured cancer, respiratory disease and heart disease. So it's like they need that to happen so there's a coal. Well, no, you'd have to... Not a coal. Okay. Like kind of like what it is now. So it needs to they, these three magic babies that are going to come up with cures. Not magic. Need to it's die. just like say let's say a Marie Curie before Marie Curie was born, they've realised that she would do work with radiotherapy or uh, radiation, wouldn't they? She even died of doing it, but that has slowed the deaths of some people and or or cured them, etc. So it would be and like to avoid civil strife and mass panic. So a group of scientists, uh, the world's greatest minds, are all put in a room to flesh out solutions and equations to avoid the killing of the three innocent babies, or do they let it happen? Like a like a twelve angry men. But the, okay. rather than a courtroom, it's them discussing the the moral divide. Do we kill three babies that will cure cancer, heart disease, respiratory disease? Ooh. And and slow the death of the earth because the population will just skyrocket. It's skyrocketing now, and we still haven't got cures for cancer, respiratory disease, heart disease. So what it's basically saying is the greater sacri- good. The greater good. It's exactly that, isn't mm. it? It had sacrificed three baby lives to make humanity last longer because mm. there's we're overpopulated. It could be a group saying just because he's from the future doesn't mean that it will play out that way fate is not always fate etc like he i reckon he could be a great character or she could be a great character the the messenger that's come from the future the naked intruder of new year's eve they could be a good character and maybe that's the person they probe a lot more of who knows man but it'd be cool to think that like maybe they get one of the babies maybe because of the civil strife the rumors get out or something or it's set in one room that's them fleshing out the moral the moralness of it all or imagine one baby gets done, the one that's going to solve so respiratory disease. It's a something. whiff of Terminator, right? Oh, yeah. 
This is T5. But... Wait, but is there already a T5? No, no, there's probably a T20 at this point. I yeah, stopped following Terminator. Exactly. But no there's point. a lot more to this than Terminator. It speaks about... Um, Maybe he shouldn't be naked because in Terminator, he is naked as the day he was born. Mm. And he just arrives in an alleyway somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> the homeless guy looks at the drink that he's been drinking. <laughs> so, so basically, this is your simple story of society deciding whether or not it's acceptable to kill some babies that will cure illnesses that are going to be so close to so many, hmm. whether they have it themselves or a loved one has it. This is why I think it should be in one room and the world's greatest minds are in there discussing. It's like a courtroom. Because if it isn't, then it is Terminator. So, and I guess the, the person that's, uh, that lands on Earth from the future, he's not an action hero. Uh -oh. He's someone that's got to be articulated, smart. Mm trying to uh, express and explain to the world this is what's happening you have to to believe me so there's got to be an air of authority well as his world was just ending yeah they the, his greatest minds in his world were in a room saying how can we change this time travel obviously has been invented that's the side story <laughs> <laughs> yeah time travel is the barry keoghan in this that's the side story yeah. they know how to time travel that's not the shocking thing the shocking thing is he's come back and went, <clears throat> free babies, give them to me. Yeah. Oh. You can't stop the damage that's been done to Earth. What you can do is slow it down in time for them to find a solution. Yeah. That's a... Uh... I wouldn't watch this film. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. No, stand by your product. No, I don't we, have to. We, you do. There's films that get made every day I don't want. I don't want to watch Barbie movie. I probably never will. I don't like Gerwig. You will. You've got a young daughter and you'll watch it. And no. I think you should. No. Is it not adult theme? Anyway, we're not talking about Barbie. Mm. We're talking about Naked Man from Future coming to kill babies. That name of film? Yeah. No, it's not. Please, you've never done a long name. No. Naked uh, Man from the Future who's come to kill babies. Nick Cage. No, because it's quite a serious subject matter and that arsehole ruins, <laughs> ruins everything. <laughs> um, so... This would be a, a mashup, sorry, between like a sci-fi thriller and a courtroom drama. And for some reason, the only director I'm thinking of is Steven Spielberg. Spielbergian. Yeah, I think like you look at Minority Report, you look at... Mm, E.T. Yeah, you know he can do sci-fi. Yeah, you know he can do more... more yeah, he can blend. rooted in... He, yeah, he can do them all. Yeah, he can do more dramatic films. He can do your high concept sci-fi films yeah. i think it'd be a very interesting film i think it'd be ripe in controversy because people you know you nobody wants to kill babies <laughs> like it's, it's apart from donald trump tricky subject matter and yeah so i'd have it as a steven spielberg film as the person that's landed from future earth to try and save the population uh the voice of covid yeah <laughs> Mark Strong. <laughs> no, I'd have Joaquin Phoenix. For some reason, that's mm. the only sort of person I could see in this. He's got to be authoritative. He's got to be charming because you've got to believe this person. And he looks like he's seen some stuff. And yeah, I think he would handle that that um, role really well. And for the title of the film, I, I struggled. I did, but I think I would just go with one word for this. Steven Spielberg. What? Um, Oh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg directed starring Whacking Phoenix film. And I think I would just call the film Sacrifice. Brought to you by Steven Spielberg. A film that isn't Terminator. But it kind of is. Instead of fighting robots. 
they're fighting babies. <laughs> I don't know. To save the human race, Joaquin Phoenix has to displace three babies. Sacrifice coming soon. Bebes. <laughs>